me a mission, I got demons to slay. Communication made you talk in this way. Anxious world. What's going on, my good people? I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Keith. And man, we back, man. I'm so, man, I love this podcast, man. I, I love what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love this. Every every time I get to record, when I get to record, you know, when I try to hide and record or, you know, find a good, quiet space to record, um, man, I enjoy it. You know, even though it's for like a really quick three to five minutes or whatever that I get to, you know, introduce an episode, man, I love it. Like, it's, man, it's one of the most happiest moments of the week for me. So, yeah, man, I'm in, I'm in good spirits, man. I'm starting to see... Oh, I've been seeing a change change in myself. You know, I had a I had an example this week about how much growth that I've been able to go through over the last two years. You know, I it was a little, I would say a little difficult situation. You know, uh, I would have handled it a little bit different, you know, years ago, you know, but I seen the growth, man. I was able to, you know, get through that little situation and I felt good about how I handled it. And yeah, I can see the growth, man. So I I love this podcast. It's doing a lot for me. Not just being the host, but just hearing you guys' stories. Uh, hearing all the stories and, man, just the people, the feedback, man. It, it does. It's therapy for me, you guys. It's my therapy. So I thank you all, all the supporters, all the guests, anybody who listen. If you're listening right now, I thank you for listening. And yeah, let's get into it. Let's keep this thing going, man. Um, So on this episode, episode 103. You're going to hear the story of Seneca Cottom and uh, the title of her episode or her story is Depression, a story of persistence and perseverance. Now, I personally think the description of this episode is all in the title. Everything that she's going to talk about, you know, overcoming certain situations and overcoming or managing her depression, uh, moving from honestly moving from not state to state, but country to country. And, you know, trying to adjust to those stressors. You can be a stress just to move to a different city. But to move to a different country, that's a whole other thing. You know, that's a whole nother beast. And she's going to talk about her life and how she was able to figure out what she was going through. And, uh, you know, seek out that help. And talk about her being there and being a support system for her husband. Who was at one point in time was going through his, you know, mental health struggles. And like I said, it's all in the title. It's a really, really good episode. Seneca, I thank you a million times over for, you know, being a voice for mental health, being willing to share your story. And you never know who's out there that's listening that might, you know, need to hear one little word or one little sentence from you and it might change their life. So I thank you so much for sharing your story. And to all of you guys out there, anybody out there, I'm calling anybody who wants to share their story. Man, please, I welcome you on this platform. Let's do it for everybody out there. You know, I really truly believe it's somebody probably listening to this episode right now or a, a, a previous episode that's going through some dark times. That's going through some dark times and just need to hear something or hear something similar and see how a person persevered, as Seneca said, persevered through their they mental health struggles and was able to get themselves right, get themselves together and manage what they was going through. So that's that's what I do this for you guys. 
and I'm very passionate today, but I can talk for another five to ten minutes, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to jump into Seneca's episode, and um, yeah, everybody continue to rate, subscribe, review the podcast, follow me, tell a friend to tell a friend, let's get this mental health movement rolling, and keep it rolling, I said, Shay. So let's jump into this episode, Depression, a story of persistence and perseverance, perseverance by Seneca Cottom. Thank you all for tuning in to the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. What I love to call therapy for your soul. I'll be back next week. Hi, this is Seneca Cottom. I currently live in Kuwait, the country, um, and I've been here for seven years. And before this, I was living in London. Um, I'm from America. I was raised in Pennsylvania. And... I what do I do? I am I work for a company in Kuwait. I work for a Kuwaiti company, uh, and we bring uh, Western companies to uh, the Middle East, like H and M and Cheesecake Factory and IHOP and stuff like that. We operate Starbucks in nineteen countries. Um, so that's a little bit about who I am. Uh, I'm married. I've been married for 18 years, just had our 18th anniversary just a couple days ago, actually. And we don't have any kids, have a couple of dogs, and that's about it on who I am. I started suffering from depression when I was about 16 years old. Um, I come from a family that has a history of mental disorders. My father was a drug addict, um, and several of his siblings were drug addicts. And my mother has suffered from all kinds of depression and different things throughout her life that she's has a difficult time dealing with. Um, there's been abuse in my parents' lives and things like that. So they, I come from a background um, of people who have suffered from mental disorders. I started suffering from depression at 16 shortly after I returned from a trip, a school trip to Spain. I got really, really sick and took some really strong antibiotics, which later found out that it, it, it can help ex exacerbate uh, signs, of, signs and symptoms of depression. Um, in that time frame, I did start to self-harm when I was between 16 and 17 my preferred method was banging the back of my head against the wall because it was something that no one could see and it would help to alleviate the mental pain that I was going through at the time um, and it got so bad that I actually asked my mother I asked her to get help because I, I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore um, and so at that point, I started to take um, uh, therapy. I was in therapy at around 17, 16, 17. I started therapy. And unfortunately, therapy wasn't a good solution for me at that time because the therapist would point out to my, my mother that you know there were some changes that she also needed to make in order to help me along in my progress. And as soon as that would happen, my mother would take me out of therapy. Um, 
so it was very difficult to get consistent care when I was a teenager. And so I went to university. And in university, the, the depression really didn't subside. Um, in my late teens and early 20s, I was on lots of different drugs. And I just didn't react well to, to medication at that age. I have to have add a caveat that I'm a small human being. So, at, you know, at that age, I was only about 98 pounds. And so most of the medication was too strong for me. Zoloft, um, Zoloft made me stop eating altogether. And at 98 pounds, you can't stop eating. Um, uh, Prozac was too strong for me and just made me sick all the time. Um, I took Paxil. Paxil made me a zombie. And um, I actually ended up having to leave school leave university because I wasn't going to class because I physically couldn't get out of bed on most days. And so I had to leave the university because I was failing because I just couldn't cope. Um, and the university health services weren't really very useful to me in terms of, of therapy. And so I, I just, I couldn't cope. And so I just, you know, dropped out of school and, and started working. Um, and so I just struggled with the depression. Uh, I, I stopped taking medication at a certain point because it just wasn't working for me. Uh, and I found, I found a St. John's wart. My mom actually discovered St. John's wart. And that was a godsend because that was the only thing that my body could tolerate. And it really did help. And at that age, in my early 20s, I really... I really didn't know what to do and how to to go about dealing with the depression because like I said, I'd been to therapy and things like that and it just didn't work. It just didn't work for me. Um, and I and, and now I recognize the reasons why it wasn't working is because, you know, I had a mom who was was sabotaging every effort that they were trying to make to to make me better. But she didn't know any better as well and coming from the black community therapy isn't something that's thought of um, in a good light so so and and there was no education around it especially back in the 90s so i really understand what was going on now but i needed the help then um i think i kind of you know on and off suffered with depression and kind of just learned to cope with it i i, I was a very high functioning depressed person. I, I, I could go to work. I could do what I needed to do simply because I needed to survive and, and I didn't have any other way to survive. Um, at 27, I got married. Um, I married my best friend. And what we didn't realize is at the time, my, my husband had uh, a very severe case of attention uh, deficit disorder, uh, de attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And when we got married, he decided to quit his job to pursue his own business. And not knowing that he had ADHD, when he lost that, the structure of a nine to five job, it sent him into a tailspin. And it sent our marriage in the first couple of years into the into a tailspin. And we, we nearly got divorced because the combination of his ADHD and my high-functioning depression uh, and trying to, you know, remodel a house together and trying to, 
you know, learn how to live together. It really just wasn't a good combination. When we, you know, I realized that something was wrong with my husband, and so we sought some help for him to treat the ADHD. But as part of his his treatment, the therapist said, you know, I there were things that I needed to work on to in order to help him to to be better. And having had the experience of having someone who was supposed to be my support not be supportive in my healing, I knew that it was my responsibility to really hunker down and do what I needed to do in order to help him get better. And so I got my own therapist and I started therapy. And the combination of the St. John's wart and the therapy was exactly what I needed. Um, And going to a good therapist to help me work through my personal issues and some of the personal traumas and experiences that I had as a child um, really helped to start my journey in in healing and trying to deal with the depression that I I was suffering from. So I think I was in therapy for years, probably four or five years, um, along with my husband. And then it was really good because as part of his behavioral therapy, I would also jump in um, into some of his sessions and we would work on some of the things that he needed, the, the behavioral changes that he needed to make. And that was also helping me because it was helping me understand how I needed to interact with him. And then the therapy that I was having was helping me deal with the things that I needed to deal with that were causing friction in our, in our relationship. Um, and then we moved to England and I didn't have any therapy. Um, once we got to England, the therapies, the therapy and all of that stopped. And I think the change in scenery really was useful and the change of environment was really helpful to me um, in order to manage my depression. And so I went a good run of a few years where I really was high functioning, the depression was in check. Um, And then I started to suffer from seasonal affective disorder. As you may know, it's very gloomy in England. and There's there's not a, a lot of sun. So after a couple of years of being in England, I started to suffer from seasonal affective disorder. And I treated that really successfully with a a sad light, you know, the the light that mimics the sun sun rays. And that was really, really helpful for me because I was able to reproduce the sun that I was missing, the sunlight that I was missing, and it really helped to manage the seasonal affective disorder during the winters. Uh, In the winter in the UK, um, there's not a lot of sunlight. In the winter, you know, the sun comes up at 8 in the morning and then it goes down at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was really, really having a negative impact on my depression. It really, really helped to trigger depression in the wintertime. But I found that that seasonal affective disorder light really helped. And using that 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening, helped to minimize the symptoms that I was having um, and helped me to manage my depression really well um, during that time. Um, And then what else happened, I think, in terms of depression? um, I did really good most of the time that I was was in England. 
I had another bout of depression towards the end of the time that we spent in England because I was really unhappy at work and at work was unfulfilling and I was, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about going to work and, and my work environment. And that triggered another bout of depression. Probably, I think I was probably in my, oh no, I think what triggered another bout of depression was infertility. My husband and I suffer from infertility and we went through IVF um, treatment in my mid-30s. So I was probably between 35 and 37. We went through um, treatment. One of the good things about the UK is that they really focus on healthcare and healthcare is free. And so during that period, I went to, I had a therapist that helped me deal with some things that I needed to deal with around my childhood. But also during um, that time when we were going through IVF, they provide you with counseling to help you go through that process because it's a really, really tough process. Um, and it's really difficult to come to terms with the fact that you may not be able to have your own biological children. So I did a lot of, I did a lot of therapy or a lot of counseling around the IVF and the infertility that really helped me to come to terms with that and helped me not to go into the type of deep, deep depression that I could have gone into had I not had the counseling throughout that entire two-year process. So that was really useful. Uh, at, I think when I was about 38, I think I was 38, we moved to Kuwait and I took a job here in Kuwait. Um, and it was really good. It was really, really good uh, at first. And of course, stress seems to be, stress and anxiety seem to trigger my, 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 my bouts of depression. And interspersed in that depression, of course, there's always anxiety. Um, and moving to Kuwait, that really triggered a lot of anxiety for me because it was a com completely different culture that we were moving to. My husband wasn't working. Um, he was struggling finding work here in Kuwait. We ended up buying a business and the business was very stressful for me, not necessarily for him, but it was very stressful for me because it involved, we, we owned a doggy daycare and it involved us taking care of people's animals. So I was, there was always a certain level of anxiety I had around that because, you know, you're taking care of someone else's animal. There's, we're in another country. If something goes wrong, it's, it could be a disaster. I was the sole breadwinner um, in our relationship and if that business went awry it was it was just a lot of anxiety around that um, I have a friend who that I met here who uh, studied rapid transformational therapy which is a hypnotherapy type of therapy uh, and you know I was having this anxiety and I tend to lean toward perfectionism as a coping mechanism for my anxiety I tend to want to control the things that are around me and that helps soothe some of my anxiety. And I know that's not healthy. And so she had just finished her studies with this RTT therapy and she needed some clients. So I, I decided to try to work through some of those perfectionist tendencies through the RTT. And I think that therapy has been 
the catalyst that has been a huge had a huge effect in um, my battle with depression and anxiety um, the therapy I had two sessions of the rapid transformational therapy and it's it's literally hypnotherapy and it's not hypnotherapy like you see on TV where you know people squawk like chickens and stuff like that it's a very calm quiet type of um, hypnotherapy where you're completely in control of everything that's happening if you want to come out of the hypnosis you can you can come out of it whenever you want but what it does is it makes your brain open to um, thinking about things and and working through things that you may not want to deal with and because you're constantly in this state of controlling and you know suppressing certain memories in order to keep yourself sane you don't deal with a lot of things and so this opens your brain up so that you can go down deep into that those things and one of the things that we identified which was something you know i hadn't experienced as a child where someone tried to kill my family they came to our house with a gun shooting a gun my sisters and i were by ourselves in the house and we literally had to escape the house uh, while he was, you know, surveilling our house with his gun and shooting off this shotgun, screaming and banging on the door, telling us he was going to kill us. And I and I, I remember that. That's something that I completely remembered. I never didn't remember that, but I didn't think that it had had an impact on me. And as we went through the the, the hypnosis, she took me back there. And that, well, she didn't take me back there. I took myself back there because that's where I realized that the perfectionism and the, the need for control came from. And it was like I was actually there. It, it felt like I was there. And that was that five-year-old not understanding what was going on, trying to figure out or make sense of this situation. And... I came to realize that that one situation at five years old had such a profound impact on the way that I live my life every single day of my life. And I realized that all of the perfectionism and the need to control stems from the fact that in that moment I learned that I couldn't trust the adults in my life. I couldn't trust my mother, I couldn't trust my father to protect me. And there was nobody there to protect me, so I had to protect myself. So that created this situation where I've always felt this need to be perfect and be in control. Um, and it also that therapy also identified that my my mother. I, I spent most of my childhood with my mother, and my mother, because of the the challenges that she had as a child and and the trauma that she experienced as a child and as an adult with my father she did not show affection physical affection and so the only way to get any type of physical affection was to do what she said exactly as she said it um, and so i also learned that i had i have this need to control my behaviors because if i am not perfect i feel that i do not deserve love and that was the and that's a lot of the cause of the depression and the anxiety that I've had throughout my whole life. And that was only unearthed. And I've had therapy for years, many times over the course of my adult life. 
And that, those, I had two two-hour sessions, and those identified, you know, they really identified um, some key points in my life and some key things in my life that I could see that were causing a problem that I could actually work on, and I and I could and I could identify and see and pinpoint, and then I could fix. And that has been, and that, I think I had that therapy maybe four years ago, and that has been a game changer for me um, because it's really made me open up to all of those childhood traumas and the things in my childhood, and made me realize that some of the reactions that I'm having are not based on how I'm feeling right in this moment, but really based on a reaction, based on thoughts that are created in my brain, based on things that have happened to me as a child. Um, and that makes me more aware of where the emotions are coming from. And being more aware makes me be able to really analyze my reactions and then stop some of the more unproductive reactions that I'm having that send me into a spiral of anxiety and depression. And I was doing really good with that. Um, and the other tool that I identified over the course of the last few years are mushrooms. And my husband and I had, you know, he has the ADHD and he is not medicated right now. And he does a lot of research around how to more naturally medicate for ADHD to help him to help him manage that. One of the things he identified were mushrooms, and so we began growing our own mushrooms um, when we were in the the UK. I, I don't know if we were in the UK, but we began growing our own our own mushrooms, and this is another thing that's been a real game changer in terms of managing his ADHD and managing my depression. Um, and there are lots of studies that, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence and there are a lot of studies around the eff efficacy of, of mushrooms in managing depression, especially when managing depression, um, managing depression with talk therapy. And there's a lot of really good, uh, really good evidence that that's really, uh, really works. And so we decided to give it a try. And I found that um, the mushrooms talk therapy, because I've had some talk therapy here in Kuwait as well, and the RTT that's really helped to open up my brain and create new thought processes that I hadn't had before. And it's all natural, non-addictive, and it's not something that you have to do every day. I mean, I might do, I might um, have some mushroom tea once a year, and that helps with managing anxiety for months and months and months, up to six months. It will help manage my one cup of tea will help manage my anxiety for up to six months, and it's it's and it works and it's easy and it's um, safe. Uh, you can't really overdose on it and and it's another tool that a lot of people don't know about and of course because you know it's not legal in many places but it should be because it's so effective and it's natural it's literally mushrooms that grow out of the ground um, so that's been another tool that I've used to, to to manage my depression and I've been really successful until 2019 um, when 
I we had an accident. We were in a boating accident off the coast of Africa, Guinea. And we were with some friends and we were hit head on. We were in a head on collision with another boat and the boat uh, went up in the air, landed on top of our boat. I was ejected from the boat and I was pushed under our boat. I nearly drowned there. I came back out and then I was pushed out into out to sea away from everyone and I was floating alone by myself in the ocean. Eventually someone found me um, and I thought, you know, after that, you know, I survived. I literally had scratches where the were, were all I had. Someone from the trip did pass away um, and others had much worse injuries than I had I, I, and I just had scratches. And so I thought that I was okay. So I went to my psychi- the psychiatrist that I have here and she you know told me to try to get back to normal as soon as possible she gave me some medication she gave me um i can't remember the name of the drug but she gave me some medicine uh to to take and i was taking that and i went back to work and i thought i was okay but i really wasn't and i started not to be able to function and so after about a couple of months, I went back and she diagnosed me with PTSD from, from my experience with that accident. And I progressively got worse and worse and worse. And I stopped being able to do my job. I stopped being able to work. I stopped being able to function. At one point, I couldn't speak because I couldn't form sentences, proper sentences in my head. I couldn't even think of small words to, to fill out a sentence. Um, I was having panic attacks and flashbacks literally five, six times a day. I became agoraphobic. I wouldn't go outside because when I was outside, I just felt like I wasn't safe and at any moment something would kill me. And uh, I couldn't be in the car because I would have panic attacks in the car because just the stopping motion of the car felt like the motion that um, when the boats collided and I... I, I just couldn't function. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't leave the couch. I, I was wasn't. I was eating. Oh my God! I was eating and eating and eating to to self soothe because the medication wasn't working. Um, I was suicidal. The only thing that stopped me from killing myself was the fact that, you know, I, I couldn't leave my husband alone. I knew that he wouldn't be able to survive if I killed myself. That's literally the only thing that kept me from killing myself because I couldn't, I couldn't cope. Um, so I did some research and I found um, some, some therapies that were used, that are used for soldiers coming back, for, or soldiers and sexual abuse survivors and things like that. And I found uh, a therapy called EMDR, which is... Uh, I can't remember to save my life, but you can probably throw something in to explain what EMDR is. Um, but it's, it's, oh, it's eye movement desensitization something. I can't ever remember what the R means. And so I, I one of my friends, we went to visit a friend in February of 2020 who's in Qatar. She's a, a, a psychotherapist, a, a doctor, a doctor. Um, with a doctorate in psychotherapy Uh, and so she was like babe you you have PTSD you need to get some help and I still didn't believe her Um, and and so I didn't actually end up getting any help 
until July, June, July of 2020, um, about six months after the accident. And uh, I decided to go to BetterHelp because my friend, she's uh, registered with BetterHelp as, a, as one of the, the therapists on BetterHelp. So I figured if she's on there, there's probably, it's a good, reputable service. So I, I registered with BetterHelp and I, and I put in my profile that I was looking for someone who specifically uh, dealt with these therapies and I found someone and the doctor, the, 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 yeah, she's a doctor too. The doctor that I had, she you know, had never done this virtually because she was based in uh, South Carolina, North Carolina and I'm here in Kuwait and she said we'd give it a go and we'd try. And what EMDR is that uh, a therapy that focuses on your healing of your brain. It's not talk therapy. It's specifically about healing your brain from the trauma. And and it uses, when you're sleeping, your brain heals itself during the rapid eye movement stage of your your sleep cycle. And so she mimics that by, by making you follow her hands with your eyes and you mimic that stage. And as your eyes are moving back and forth, you recall in your brain the trauma that you experienced. And you recall that trauma over and over again as she's making your eyes move at different speeds to process that. And it's awful because you relive it and it's like you're there and it's physical, like your body feels every moment of of what happened to you. And it is, it's absolutely awful and it's exhausting and you can't function for days after the session because your mind is healing and processing all of the stuff that happened during that 40 minute session. But what happens is that your brain does heal and the trauma becomes a memory instead of real. Because in the PTSD, the, the trauma just is relived over and over in your brain and in your body, and it keeps happening. It keeps being relived. Different triggers happen, and you just relive it over and over and over again, and it's awful. And so this therapy, although it's really difficult and really hard to get through, you start. it starts to become a memory instead of it being your reality and I did this therapy over the course of six weeks and at the beginning of the therapy I was having you know I was having um, flashbacks five six times a day by the end of the therapy I was having flashbacks maybe once a week once every other week Um, and it was and it was manageable it was it was something I could deal with the anxiety was subsiding and so after that, after the six weeks of that therapy, I still continued um, to heal. And unfortunately, I, I continued, I, I started to have, and I was having them throughout the process, seizures. And so as part of the PTSD and nothing, something that people don't tell you about is that you can have seizures. Your body, because of the PTSD, your body is so tense all the time. Your muscles are physically in, uh, tensed all the time. Your body has seizures to release the, the energy and the tense the, 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 the tense feeling in your muscles. You have seizures. So I started having seizures five, six times a day after the therapy um, to the point where I couldn't work from the office. I had to work from home because I would have seizures 
all the time. And it was physically exhausting. And so another therapy that I sought after that to help release the tension from my muscles because I'd had, you know, nine months of PTSD and all of this tension. And so my body, after the therapy, my mind was now clearing. And so all of that also had to clear from my body. I started yoga therapy. And this was another therapy that has been really, really helpful and in reducing, um, or actually not even reducing, but nearly eliminating the seizures. The yoga therapy works to remove all of that negative energy and, and tenseness from your muscles. And what that does, and I found a yoga therapist here just quite randomly. Um, it was kind of the universe putting things in my path for healing. and. Uh, what it is is you have actual talk therapy for 20 minutes or so and as you as you go through the talk therapy the therapist watches your body and she can see where your muscles and where your body becomes tense and then once you do the 20 minutes you have 40 minutes of yoga and she manipulates your body and helps you get into yoga poses that will help remove the the, the stress from your muscles and she helps you and she manipulates your body um, and massages your body to relieve the stress from those muscles. And then she gives you specific yoga poses to do in between sessions to continue the process of releasing that. And through that yoga therapy, I had about six weeks of that. And through that yoga therapy, I was able to release a lot of the tension from my body. And I went from having, you know, four, five, six seizures in a day, in that six weeks to having, by the end of the six weeks, having a seizure once every few weeks. And now I'm, I think I've, I think it's been maybe three, two, three months since I've had a seizure. Um, and the seizures are called um, psychosomatic, psychosomatic non-epileptic seizures. Uh, so they're not, because I went to the doctor to just see, because I was having so many seizures, they checked my body and my brain, and, and they did scans in EKG or ECGs, whichever the one that scans your brain. Um, they do those and they, to check, and, and I did an MRI to check to make sure that I didn't actually have any problems with my brain. And then... Once they identified that there was not any physical problem with my brain or with the firing of my brain or the work, or the way my brain worked, they diagnosed these psychosomatic seizures um, and they tied it back to the PTSD and the incident. So that therapy has been really instrumental in, in kind of getting me over the, the last bit of the PTSD. But I know a lot of people suffer from PTSD and they don't know about some of these therapies that can really help them overcome the challenges that come with PTSD. And I know a lot of people also, and because I, I didn't know, I didn't know that there were all of these, you know, all of these things that go with PTSD that aren't just having flashbacks. Like the agoraphobia was a real surprise to me because I it had nothing to do with what actually happened to me. Um, but I was petrified. I would have panic attacks walking out of my door. I couldn't go out of the house. I mean, literally walking my dogs, I couldn't go around the block without breaking down into tears because I thought something was going to kill me or someone was going to kill me. Um, and no one tells you about these seizures or the fact that you 
may not be able to speak. Um, and I thought I was going crazy. And I, you know, and, and that sent me into a tailspin, not being able to speak because speaking is what I do. That's what I'm known for. I'm known for being articulate and being well-spoken. And that's part of my identity. And I was losing part of my identity. And, but no one tells you these things come with PTSD. And it was, it was, it was so frightening um, to, go, to go through it. And I must say, my husband has been a godsend. He has been so wonderful in helping me get through all of this over the course of the last year. And you add on top of it, 2020, we had a pandemic. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a rough 2020 for me in terms of all of my mental health challenges. But what's good is that I think that the shutdown of the world and this PTSD made me stop um, because as a black woman, we often we often tell ourselves that we're strong and everybody else tells us, you know, strong black woman and we fall into that and we think that we can't be vulnerable and we think that, you know, we can't, um, we can't hurt, you know, we can't hurt, we can't show that we're hurt and we just keep going, we keep moving and we, we have to be strong. But sometimes we have to let our guard down and we have to do it. And 2020 with the PTSD and the COVID, it stopped me in my tracks and told me, and it gave me the freedom as well, I think, to focus on my mental health and to say that I'm not okay and I have to stop. This is the first time I took off a month from work um, just to deal with my mental health. and. I really don't think in any other point in my life that I would have had, I would have done that. Oh, I haven't. I've never done it. I've never done it in my life. And I've struggled with my mental health many, many times in my life. And this gave me the opportunity to stop and, and take care of myself. And that's the one thing that I would recommend to everybody is your mental health is the same as if you broke your foot, um, if you had a heart attack you would stop. If you broke your foot, you would stop. You would go to the doctor, you would get help, you would get a cast, you would get checked, you would get x-rays, you would get the help that you needed to make sure that you could walk. Um, your mental health is exactly the same. And we need to stop. And we need to assess where we are. And we need to assess what we need to do to, to, to help ourselves and to get better. And without doing that, we're only causing more harm. It's just like if you broke your leg and you kept walking on that leg, you'd lose your leg. And it's the same with your mental health. We need to, we need to stop trying to be strong and we need to be empathetic to ourselves. And we need to let ourselves be vulnerable and we need to get the help that we need. So I think that's all that I have. If you need me to do any more or to talk about something else, let me know. Um, you can contact me on my telephone number. I have a U.S. telephone number, uh, which is 301-499-4517. And again, I'm Seneca Cottom. Um, just keep in mind, it's a seven-hour time difference uh, between here and the east coast of the U.S. And I'm available for anything because uh, this is really important to me because having had this experience over the last couple, last year and a half, 
I really think and I really want to share that experience and let, let other women, especially other black women, know that it's okay to get help.